0: Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast for Book 10, Chapter 9. Um, <clears throat> bit of a revolt happening amongst the serfs. Interesting. Um, what insights does this chapter give you into the running of the prince's land slash people and what do you think of El Patish? Maybe uh, with the prince dead, that's just how quick the people will disobey. The prince, the old prince, was running the place with such an iron fist that the day he dies, they all decide to revolt. That's, maybe, I've never really looked at it that way, but that's interesting. Um, Twisted Every Way says, interesting. The peasants want to rebel and think that the French will be kind to them, as alluded to in the article. I'm guessing you mean the Brian identical artic- Brian Identin article. Identical. Uh, the Brian E. Denton article for today, there's probably some Americans who would believe the swirling rumors based on what they believe these days. I don't really know what that means, but then again, I didn't read the article. Uh, it was kind of Albertiche to take his stuff off the cards and allow the princess to use them. I hope something bad doesn't befall him. Ryan Dundev says, I loved this chapter. It could come straight out of a Facebook group today. Uh, yeah, um, poses an interesting question of what the heck are they going to do? What's Princess Mary going to do if she can't do a proper evacuation of the house? Um, because the peasants aren't complying with their needs to evacuate. She needs ten carts, doesn't she? Was it ten? And now she's only got one. I think. Um, El Patish has gone off to the police authorities as per the final line of the chapter, and I just feel like in a wartime situation like this, the police authorities are just not going to do anything. Chapter 10. All right, let's rock and roll. After her father's funeral, Princess Mary shut herself up in her room and did not admit anyone. A maid came to the door to say that El Patish was asking for orders about their departure. This was before his talk withdrawn. Princess Mary raised herself on the sofa on which she had been lying and replied through the closed door that she did not mean to go away and begged to be left in peace. The windows of the room in which she was lying looked westward. She lay on the sofa with her face to the wall fingering the buttons of the leather cushion and seeing nothing but that cushion and her confused thoughts were centred on one subject their irrevocability of death and her own spiritual baseness which she had not suspected, but which had shown itself during her father's illness. She wished to pray, but did not dare to, dared not in her present state of mind address herself to God. She lay for a long time in that position. The sun had reached the other side of the house, and its slanting rays shone into the open window, lighting up the room and part of the Morocco cushion at which Princess Mary was looking, The flow of her thoughts suddenly stopped. Unconsciously she sat up, smoothed her hair, got up, went to the window involuntarily involuntarily inhaling the freshness of the clear but windy evening. Yes, you can well enjoy the evening now. He is gone and no one will hinder you, she said to herself, and sinking into an armchair she let her head fall on the window sill. Someone spoke her name in a soft and tender voice from the garden and kissed her head She looked up, it was Mademoiselle Boreen, in a black dress and weepers. She softly approached Princess Mary's side, kissed her and immediately began to cry. The princess looked up at her, all their former disharmony and her own jealousy recurred to her mind, but she remembered to to how he had changed of late toward Mademoiselle Boreen and could not bear to see her, thereby showing how unjust were the reproaches Princess Mary had mentally addressed to her. Besides... Is it for me, for me who desired his death, to condemn anyone, she thought? Princess Mary vividly pictured to herself the position of Mademoiselle Boreen, whom she had of late kept at a distance, but who yet was dependent on her and living in her house. She felt sorry for her and held out her hand with a glance of gentle inquiry. Mademoiselle Boreen at once began crying again and kissed that hand speaking of the princess's sorrow and making herself a partner in it. She said her only consolation was the fact that the princess allowed her to share her sorrow, that all the old misunderstandings should sink into nothing but this grief, that she felt herself blameless in regard to everyone, and that he, from above, saw her affection and gratitude. The princess heard her, not heeding her words, but occasionally looking up at her and listening to the sound of her voice. Your position... "'is doubly terrible, dear princess,' said Mademoiselle Boreen after a pause. "'I understand that you could not and cannot think of yourself, "'but with my love for you I must do so. "'Has Alpatiche been to you? Has he spoken to you of going away?' she asked. "'Princess Mary did not answer. She did not understand who was to go or where to. "'Is it possible to plan or think of anything now?' Is it not all the same, she thought, and did not reply. So I'm trying to adjust my seat and talk at the same time. It's not the best combo. You know, Cher Marie, said Mademoiselle Boreen, that we are in danger, are surrounded by the French. It would be dangerous to move now. If we go, we are almost sure to be taken prisoners, and God knows. Princess Mary looked at her companion without understanding what she was talking about. Oh, if anyone knew how little anything matters to me now, she said. Of course, I would on no account wish to go away from him. Albatish did say something about going. Speak to him. I can do nothing, nothing, and don't want to. I've spoken to him. He hopes he we should be in time to get away tomorrow, but I think it would now be better to stay here, said mademoiselle Borin, because you will agree, sure, Marie... To fall into the hands of the soldiers or of riotous peasants would be terrible. Mademoiselle Borin took from her reticule a proclamation, not printed on ordinary Russian paper, of General Rameau's, telling people not to leave their homes and that the French authorities would afford them proper protection. She handed this to the princess. I think it would be best to appeal to that general, she continued, and I am sure that all due respect would be shown you. Princess Mary read the paper and her face began to quiver with stifled sobs. "'From whom did you get this?' she asked. "'They probably recognize that I am French by my name,' replied Mademoiselle Boreen, blushing. Princess Mary, with the paper in her hand, rose from the window and with a pale face went out of the room and into what had been Prince Andre, Prince André's study." Danyasha, send Alpetish or Dronushka, or somebody to me, she said, and tell Mademoiselle Boreen not to come to me, she added, hearing Mademoiselle Boreen's voice. We must go at once, at once, she said, appalled at the thought of being left in the hands of the French. If Prince André heard that I was in the power of the French, that I, the daughter of Prince Nicholas Bolkonski, asked General, General Rameau for protection and accepted his favor. This idea horrified her, made her shudder, blush, and feel such a rush of anger and pride as she had never experienced before. All that was distressing, and especially all that was humiliating, in her position rose vividly to her mind. They, the French, would settle in this house. M. Le General Rameau would occupy Prince André's study and amuse himself by looking through and reading his letters and papers. Mademoiselle Boreen would do the honors of Bogucharovo for him. "'I should be given a small room as a favour. "'The soldiers would violate my father's newly dug grave "'to steal his crosses and stars. "'They would tell me of their victories over the Russians "'and would pretend to sympathise with my sorrow,' "'thought Princess Mary, "'not thinking her own thoughts, "'but feeling bound to think like her father and her brother. "'For herself she did not care where she remained "'or what happened to her, "'but she felt herself to the representative of her dead father.' and of Prince André. Involuntarily, she thought their thoughts and felt their feelings. What they would have said and what they would have done, she felt bound to say and do. She went into Prince André's study, trying to enter completely into his ideas and consider her position. The demands of life, which had seemed to her her annihilated by her father's death, all at once rose before her with a new, previously unknown force and took possession of her. Agitated and flushed, she paced the room, sending now for Michael Ivanovich and now for Tikhon or Dron. Danyasha, the nurse, and the other maids could not say in f- how far Mademoiselle Borin's statement was correct. Alpatish was not at home. He had gone to the police. Neither could the architect Michael Ivanovich who, on being sent for, came in with sleepy eyes, tell Princess Mary anything. With just the same smile of agreement, with which for fifteen years he had been accustomed to answer the old prince without expressing views of his own, he now replied to Princess Mary, so that nothing definite could be got from his answers. The old valet Ticon with sunken emaciated face that bore the stamp of inconsolable grief, replied, Yes, Princess, to all Princess Mary's questions, and hardly refrained from sobbing as he looked at her. At length, Dron, the village elder, entered the room, and with a deep bow to Princess Mary, came to a halt by the doorpost. Princess Mary walked up and down the room and stopped in front of him. Dronushka, she said, regarding as a sure friend this Dronushka, who always used to bring a special kind of gingerbread from his visit to the fair at Vyazma every year and smilingly offer it to her. Dronushka. now, since our misfortune, she began, but could not go on. We are all in God's hands, said he, with a sigh. They were silent for a while. Dronyuska, Alpatish has gone off somewhere and I have no one to turn to. Is it true, as they tell me, that I can't even go away? Why shouldn't you go away, Your Excellency? You can go, said Dron. I was told it would be dangerous because of the enemy. Dear friend, I can do nothing. I understand. Nothing. I have nobody. I want to go away tonight or early tomorrow morning. Dron paused. He looked askance at Princess Mary and said, "There are no horses. I told Yakov Alpatich so." "Why are there none?" asked the princess. "It's all God's scourge," said John. "What horses we have, had, have been taken for the army or have died. This is such a year. It's not a case of feeding horses. We may die of hunger ourselves. As it is, some go three days without eating. We've nothing." We've been ruined. Princess Mary listened attentively to what he told her. The peasants are ruined. They have no bread, she asked. They're dying of hunger, said Dron. It's not a case of carting. But why didn't you tell me, Dronushka? Isn't it possible to help them? I'll do all I can. To Princess Mary it was strange that now, at a moment when such sorrow was filling her soul, there could be rich people and poor and the rich could refrain from helping the poor. She had heard vaguely that there was such a thing as landlord's corn, which was sometimes given to the peasants. She also knew that neither her father nor her brother would refuse to help the peasants in need. She only feared to make some mistake in speaking about the distribution of the grain she wished to give. She was glad such cares presented themselves, enabling her without scruple to forget her own grief. She began asking Dron about the peasants' needs and what there was in Burgachirova that belonged to the landlord. "'But we have grain belonging to my brother,' she said. "'The landlord's grain is all safe,' replied Dron proudly. Our prince did not order it to be sold. "'Give it to the peasants. Let them have all they need.' I give you leave in my brother's name, said she. Dron made no answer, but sighed deeply. Give them that corn, if there is enough of it. Distribute it all. I give this order in my brother's name, and tell them that what is ours is theirs. We do not grudge them anything. Tell them so. Dron looked intently at the princess while she was speaking. Discharge me, little mother, for God's sake. Order the keys to be taken from me, said he. I have served twenty three years and have done no wrong. Discharge me for God's sake. Princess Mary did not understand what he wanted of her or why he was asking to be discharged. She replied that she had never doubted his devotion, that she was ready to do anything for him and for the peasants. All right, there we go, another chapter down. Seems like there's something going on with these peasants where they just want to be fired. What's going on there? Have your say about it on the subreddit. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.